the Ten Commandments. We have them posted in a lot of churches. If you go up in probably the most, one of the most famous churches in this town, which is what? What is it? Westminster? No, not Westminster, sorry. Infamous, perhaps, not famous. Most famous church in this town. Come on, people, it's on a hill called Church St. John's, right? In the, in the sanctuary there, if you look on the wall, the Ten Commandments are posted. This is in many, many congregations. Ten Commandments are posted in some courts of law in some states. They're on courthouse lawns. They form the basis, or at least most people think they form the basis of, we think, our, some of our legal code throughout time and history. The Ten Commandments. So we know them, but what are they? Well, let me back up. We've been walking through a catechism, and last week the question was, what does the law of God require of us? And this week we begin to walk into what we think is the main part of the law of God, which is the Ten Commandments. And now, just remember, right, what is the basis for, for all of this? For all of, all of this law or all of this how we're supposed to live? You just heard it in the children's message. It's love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that, I think that's something that we've also got to hold in the middle of all of this is, as one writer said, the Ten Commandments are a love gift to God's people. But remember what happened around the time of the giving of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Does anybody know that story? What, where did Moses go? Up on a mountain. Right? What were the people doing? Worshiping a golden calf. That's a, an artist's rendition of worshiping the golden calf or worshiping Right? So you see the big head in the middle, that's, that's them worshiping something other than Yahweh, other than whatever. So they're down there, and I always joke that it's the leader is up getting the vision, getting the new rules, all that. The manager is making the people happy down there, Aaron, and they want a golden calf, so he's like, okay, we're going to make a golden calf. We'll, whatever, whatever's going to make you people do your thing. Moses comes down, and what does he do with the two stones that the Ten Commandments are on? breaks them. So, the people seem to have a difficult time living in community. They want all kinds of things that may not be good for them. Moses spent a lot of time, even after the giving of the Ten Commandments, arbitrating disputes between the people. But the Ten Commandments really were given as a gift to the covenant community to show them how to live. They weren't given as a punishment. They weren't, well, if you do this, then you're my people. It was, you're my people, so this is how you're supposed to live. And I think that 
they also, as and many Protestants would say, they have another use. There are a number of uses for the law, and I won't go into all of that. But as you look at the Ten Commandments, and I don't know if, as they were being read, or as Jennifer was going through with the kids, if you were thinking, oh, broke that one. Oh, wanted that guy's car. Oh, wish I had a golf swing like him. I mean, those are all broken commandments. Jesus said about you shall not murder, he said, even if you think of it, you have broken the commandment. He said about adultery, even if you have thought about it, you have broken that commandment. So adherence to the law is not simply about this physical adherence to it. Oh, I've never killed anybody. Have you wished anybody dead? Have you slandered them with your words? Have you wished that you could exchange your life for theirs in some way? These are all ways that, that we, in our brokenness, as we would say in the theological world, in our sinfulness, disobey God and God's desire for humanity. And so these Ten Commandments are really are reminders to us of what God calls us into, but it is a larger way of living than just strict adherence to these laws. Now, these laws are given and then the, the rabbis and the teachers and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and all of these other folks, they begin to create all of the laws around the Ten Commandments. Because, well, how do I know if I broke this law or not? How do I know for sure? And so I forget how many other rules and things they developed, but there were hundreds of them. Well, you know, if you only go a mile with your animal to take it to water, then you didn't work on the Sabbath. If you only did this, then you didn't do this. If you only did that, you didn't do that. We want all of these parameters around the Ten Commandments, and oftentimes, and this is what Jesus accused the Pharisees of, you seek to adhere to the law, but you miss the intent. The first four of the commandments are about our relationship to God. The last six are about our relationship to fellow humans. God knew that both of those were going to be difficult. Maybe more difficult to be in relationship with humans because we get to see each other every day. You know, God, we can sort of be like, oh, I love God. God's amazing. God's whatever. God God isn't in our face all the time. (laughs) God isn't lying next to you in the bed in the morning after you had a fight the night before. God isn't your boss telling you that you messed up or your child telling you you're not a good parent. That's why there's so many of these other laws about how we interact with other humans. And so, looking at the Ten Commandments can be quite disheartening, I think. 
because we like to live up to things. At least those of us, I think, raised in the cultures that we were raised in. Right? I can't speak for all cultures, but definitely, you know, we want to honor mother and father. We want to do the right thing. We, we want to respect our teachers. We want, to, we want to live into what we've been given. You know, most of us, when we see the lights flashing behind us on the thing, are like, oh, what did I do now? And we feel guilty already, even though maybe we haven't done anything. And that car's going to go by us. We want to adhere. We, we want to live up to things until it doesn't serve us. And also, we would say in our theology that as hard as we try, we're not going to be able to fulfill the law to the letter. There's only one person who did that. We believe, and his name was Jesus, and he was the Son of God. And so what the law does is it throws us back on God's grace. It opens our hearts to ourselves and to God and to each other in a new and different way because you can't have pride if you actually examine yourself in relationship to God's law. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that is not a cause for us to feel ashamed and guilty and horrible about ourselves, but it is, it is something that is supposed to open us up to God's grace, to soften us up in a way where we can be open to other people and to love them in a new and a different way because we don't know what it is that they are going through either. We don't know what struggles they are having. The promise is at the very beginning. I am the Lord your God. I chose you to be my people. And I want for your good. I want for your flourishing. And I'm going to show you that way. And so we start with grace. And we end with grace. And yes, we seek in the middle to love the Lord our God with our whole heart and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we use these commandments and God's law to guide us at every step, but not to hold over the heads of other people, not to drive ourselves into blame and shame, but to seek to live more and more in community and in the love of God. The law is a gift. Let us receive it as such. Amen.